Welcome to the Loss and Lifting Talk podcast. The show is created to help you find your confidence by breaking down the complicated science of training and nutrition and turning it into simple, but more importantly, practical solutions that you can implement right away to start creating real results inside your body composition. We don't stop there either. We dive into the mental aspect of fitness to not only build a better body, but a better life all around. Podcasts were the medium where I learned and grew as an individual more than any other place in my life. The goal of this podcast is to give that back to you to start building the exact body and life that you know you're capable of. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another Q&A episode of the podcast. Today, we're going to hop into three different questions that are all centered around nutrition, actually. We're not going to talk anything about training here. These are all going to be on the diet side of things. So for all of you, if you haven't heard me talk about this before, there is a link down below. If you ever have questions from those episodes that you're listening to, or if I elaborate on something and it keeps you confused in any sort of way and you don't feel very clear on it... Um, there's a link, like I said, that you can go to lostlifting.com backslash podcast that will take you to a form on our website to where you can ask any question or ask for any clarification on anything that we've talked about during the episode. And that will actually shoot right to my inbox when you submit um, your questions or confusions or anything like that. And then from there, I time block out just a little bit of time every single week to go through and answer those questions to help all of the podcast listeners since you're here. And I really do appreciate you guys that do listen to the podcast. Um, I know that the social media followings that I have are, are decent sizes, but the same time, the podcast obviously has less listeners than the social medias do, but I love that I can come here and just really deep dive into specific topics, and I love that you come and you're listening and learning as well because it shows that you're in a position to where you're you're willing to invest time to understand the nuances of training and nutrition to go out and create the best result for you possible, and, and when you're that type of person, I want to be able to help you to the best of my ability, and so what that means is sometimes I may say things that may confuse you or leave you in a position to where you have deeper questions. And this is just an open invitation for you to come into my inbox, ask me any question that you have, and I'm more than happy to elaborate on it and give you an answer that's specific and individualized to your situation. And then again, from there, if any of those questions are ever things that I would find useful that I think a lot of other listeners probably have questions about as well, then I bring some of those questions onto the podcast and we break them down here just because... They're questions that a lot of people most likely um, are wondering about as well to bring more value to everyone. So just know there always is that open invitation to my inbox to ask questions, and I'm more than happy to break things down for you in your specific situation whenever you need to. So other than that, the only other ask that I have of you, and this is something that I ask very regularly, as you all know, we do not try to generate any revenue or anything like that inside of Lost and Lifting with the podcast. This is just here to simply provide you with more value and help you get to where you want to be ultimately. And if you're in a position to where you feel like you are finding that value from this, the one thing that we do ask from you, if possible, is to go down below leave the show a star rating as well as a written review, just letting us know how the show has helped you in any sort of a way. Because again, that is the one way in terms of iTunes, how the show will continue to grow over time is the more reviews that it gets. iTunes takes that as the show is valuable. People are finding a lot of useful information here, which prompts them to want to push the show out to more and more people. So if you have time, if you have found value here, like I said, I'd be very appreciative if you go 
could go down below, leave the show a rating and a review just to help it continue to grow over the long term and show your support. And again, for everybody that has gone down and has done that, I really, really do appreciate all of you. Um, it does mean the world to me. So thank you so much. But with that, don't want to take up too much of your time rambling about things in the introduction. Let's hop into the Q&A. All right, question number one. I bumped into a book called Proteinaholic that has me questioning things. Every nutritionist I follow on social media says to eat a high protein intake, but this book claims that a high protein diet is more likely to lead to cancer, diabetes, and heart disease. Now I'm confused and wondering if I should change to a vegan diet. Can I get your thoughts on this? That is a very good question. If any of you can remember, I believe it's probably been a couple years ago at this point. There was a show that came out on Netflix called, I believe it was called Game Changers, that really broke down and took a lot of different studies and portrayed that a high-protein diet um, was the detriment to a lot of athletes. It was a detriment to um, your overall health and going more of a vegan lifestyle was so much more optimal for you in the long term. And what that study did was it took, or not study, but what that show did was it took a lot of, it cherry picked a lot of different studies that were, um, that were just more to the bias that the show wanted um, the message to be in terms of protein being bad, going vegan being optimal, when in reality, what you have to understand when it comes to science and when it comes to research overall is that there are a ton of studies done going through a bunch of different scenarios um, with a lot of different people. And what you have to do is you can't go look at one study that's done and dictate if protein is bad or not for you or dictate specific things based off of one study that has a specific type of people that are doing the study, it has a specific type of subjects that are inside of the study, and it has a specific bias that that study is wanting to portray or to try to prove. And there are studies out there showing in specific situations that maybe a high-protein diet might not be optimal. What I would argue here is what a lot of these studies do when they're looking at protein is they're not using um, very good protein sources. They're using processed foods, processed meats, high in fat, very, very high in cholesterol, um, like McDonald's hamburgers and, and um, just processed foods and looking at, okay, is this person healthier with protein in their system or without protein in their system? And obviously if you take, if you put a bunch of processed food into somebody's body um, to fill up their protein intake, there's going to be a lot of nuance there, which is going to um, hurt overall health markers, right? But when we go and we look at um, the meta-analysis when it comes to protein and nutrition and what's going to be optimal for the majority of people out there, the science is heavily um, biased or heavily shifted towards um, a high-protein diet, moderate in carbs, moderate in fat, and a controlled caloric intake is what's going to lead to the best body compositions out of everybody. 
with the highest amount of um, lean muscle mass on your body, which again is going to have you the strongest, which is going to have you the most agile, which is going to have you the most resilient over the long term to maintain strength. Because what happens to most people, the older and older that we get, and as hips go out, and as you get weaker and weaker and weaker, this is all a lack of muscle on the body, right? That's what you have to understand. We're physically losing strength and deteriorating. The people that stay the healthiest the longest are those who that continue to strength train, continue to have the most amount of lean muscle tissue on them on their bodies, which are going to help keep them stronger, help them keep them more resilient over the long term. And we know one of the main components of lean muscle tissue is branched chain amino acids, which are only found in protein. And so when we look at things as an entire whole, sure. If you're getting your protein intake from McDonald's cheeseburgers all day, like you're probably not going to have the best health markers in the world. Your cholesterol is going to be extremely high. You probably don't have a lot of vitamins, a lot of um, minerals, very many nutrients in your body, which could downregulate hormones, which could put your metabolism in a not a very smart position. But if we look at our diet from a much more logical perspective, thinking, okay, I'm going to keep my protein intake relatively high to support lean muscle tissue, but my protein is going to come from good protein sources in terms of lean meats, so like chickens, um, fish, white fish, um, lean ground beef, maybe a little bit of dairy in terms of um, like whey protein powders or Greek yogurts or things like that, just things that are lower on the fat count but higher um, when it comes to the protein side of things. And then we're making sure to get in a good, a good amount of fruits, a good amount of vegetables, a good amount of fiber into our system, as well as we're putting in ourselves in a position um, to where we're still flexible. We enjoy a little bit of the foods that we enjoy to eat as well. Well, in that position, you're going to be in a much better um, state long-term when it comes to your body composition, when it comes to your overall health markers. I promise you that. So yes, is there some nuance out there in some research showing that a high protein diet can in some cases lead to cancer, diabetes, and heart disease? Absolutely. But at the same time, on the other spectrum of that, there's a lot of evidence out there showing that people eat vegan and they don't eat enough protein. Their body deteriorates faster the older that they get and the less lean muscle tissue they have on their body and the less strength that they have and um, the more vulnerable they, they become in the long term and the faster their body shut down. And so it's all about finding that right balance. You could go vegan and not eat protein, but just continue to eat a lot of processed foods and put yourself in a position to where cholesterol is super high, your health markers come back bad, and you end up in just as worse, a worse position than having a high protein diet. So it's all about finding that right balance and making sure that the majority of your proteins are lean, you're minimizing processed foods, you're strength training to keep yourself strong and resilient. So over the long term, you found a balance that keeps your body strong. You're giving it the minerals, the vitamins that it needs over the long term so that your health markers are in a very solid position. And again, there, this is the problem with social media is there are so many different opinions and people taking different studies and, and cherry picking and, and writing books or doing Netflix videos when people, the everyday person hasn't dove into all of the research and all of the meta-analysis and really gotten a full picture of what nutrition should look like and the purpose of nutrition in our lives. So many people just 
directly run to a, a vegan diet when they, they hear these fear mongerings that are done when it comes to your protein intake. But in reality, that's going to help your, hurt your overall health in the long term worse rather than getting the full context when it comes to your nutrition because people have agendas. And again, if you go vegan for ethical reasons, I think that's totally fine. I think that makes a lot of sense. You're going to have to supplement with specific supplements to um, ensure you're getting everything that your body needs. But again, if it's for an eth ethical reason, I'm not here to judge you for that. I think that's totally fine. But if you're wanting to go vegan for the sake of thinking that you're going to be healthier because you're vegan, that's when we run into a problem because you haven't actually looked at the nuances of veganism or of not getting enough protein into your diet or just the whole context of nutrition in the first place and what's required to hold on to lean muscle tissue on your body to be healthier to have a stronger metabolism to be less likely to gain body fat and to be more resilient into your later years of life so that your body continues to be an asset for you rather than a liability so yes is there a ton of content out there showing that protein's bad absolutely but when you deep dive and you really look at the entire context of nutrition and the meta-analysis and looking at people that live the longest lives versus the people that don't and the difference is there, keeping your protein intake relatively high. It doesn't have to be extremely high, but usually somewhere between 0.8 to 1.2 grams per pound of lean body mass is a really good position to be in. Or if you want to go by total body weight, you can do that as well. It's probably going to get you a little bit of a higher intake for more advanced individuals that are really looking to optimize muscle growth over the long term for aesthetic purposes um, or um, performance purposes. That makes more sense for the everyday individual. I always like to recommend around 0.8 to 1.2 grams per pound of lean body mass. More advanced individuals with more advanced goals, we're looking at it more in terms of actual body weight. But don't run away from protein because you think that it's going to lead to cancer, it's going to lead to diabetes, and it's going to lead to heart disease. Because if you're being smart with your nutrition, if you're choosing lean protein sources, if you're still getting in your vitamins, you're getting in your minerals, your strength training, you're keeping your cardiovascular system in a very strong position, that's just fear-mongering. They're not taking these types of people and putting them into studies and seeing them um, with cancer, with diabetes, and with heart disease. They're taking people who are already overweight, who eat a very processed diet, who aren't taking in enough vitamins, enough minerals, and they're saying, oh, well, they're eating a lot of protein, so, and they're getting cancer, they're getting diabetes, and they're getting heart disease, so protein is bad. That's them cherry-picking and just trying to fearmonger you into their agenda of wanting you to go vegan. So hopefully this helps. Let's move on to the next question, which is what is your opinion on intuitive eating? Again, this is a very good question that I believe I've touched on in previous podcasts. I might have actually done a full episode on intuitive eating. I'm not I'm not entirely sure if I have or not, but I know that I've touched on it. It might have been in just another Q&A. And when it comes to intuitive eating, I think that there's a lot of misconceptions around this as well. There's a lot of people that think, oh, I can just, I should be able to eat intuitively and I should be able to drop body fat or um, maintain where I'm currently at. And the problem is the reason that the majority of us end up in a position to where we're unsatisfied with where our body compositions are currently at and we want to create change is because we've done a terrible job with intuitive eating 
right? We haven't built our foundation on nutrition and what affects our body composition and overall health in the long term to be able to eat intuitively, effectively. And what I mean by that, I actually, I made a post on this on Instagram just a little while ago that um, resonated with a lot of people. I got a really good, um, I got really, really good feedback on it. So I'm actually just going to pull that post up here really quick. It was a tweet that I put out that I'm just going to read. Okay, yeah, it's right here. It says, no, you don't have to weigh out your food on a scale and track it in an app forever. But honestly, taking the next 6 to 12 months and committing to that inconvenience is the best way I've found to teach you how to have success without having to do those things for the rest of your life. So what I'm saying, weighing out your food um, and tracking it in an app, that's what you have to do first and foremost to get to a position long term to where you can eat intuitively with success. Right, Because if you don't understand portion sizes, if you don't understand um, how many calories are in specific foods or how big those portions should look for a specific amount of calories in those foods and, and where you should be to be in a deficit or how many calories that you should be roughly eating to be at a maintenance level, if you haven't gone through this process and committed to it and weighed out your food portions um, and tracked it in an app very tediously for, again, 6 to 12 months at least – you haven't built the foundation to be able to eyeball food and eat in an intuitive manner with success because you don't know what that process looks like to fuel yourself with what your body needs to manipulate your body composition. If you just try to go directly to intuitive eating, that's like trying to go directly to calculus without knowing algebra or geometry. You haven't built the foundation to be able to go to that higher level and figure out those problems that you're going to need to be able to figure out. And your nutrition is no different. If you don't understand what 30 grams of protein looks like in the form of chicken or what a cup of rice roughly looks like to be able to track that in your head, okay, that's roughly around 200 calories or so. If you don't have that basic foundation and have done it for a long time through tracking it to build up um, your skill of being able to eyeball things, how do you expect yourself to be able to eat intuitively and know that you're eating the right amount? There's a lot of research on this as well that shows that people that eat in an intuitive manner generally are off in terms of anywhere from 20 to 90% of their total caloric intake for the day. They misgauge their caloric intake by 20 to 80, 90%. And I run into this with clients a lot of the time. This is why when I'm working with people, I'm in their food logs and their check-ins on a weekly basis, looking at the foods that they're choosing, helping them make sure that they're staying consistent with their tracking, making sure their expectations are in a really good place. Because a lot of the time, um, like we'll track for a few weeks and then we think, oh, I've tracked for a few weeks. I can kind of just do this intuitively now. I don't have to track it. And then a few more weeks go by without tracking and they stop making the progress that they made when they were tracking six or seven out of seven days per week. And they're frustrated by the lack of progress. And we go back and look at food logs and they say, oh, well, I'm eating roughly the same things. And it's like, okay, but are you tracking those foods? Are you tracking everything that's going into your mouth? Are you, are you weighing these foods out to ensure that you're getting the right portion sizes? Because if you're not, I can almost guarantee the majority of the time, if you haven't done this for years on top of years on the tracking side of things, you haven't built up the skill well enough yet to put yourself in a position to not have to track and be accurate enough to 
think what you tracked in your head is actually what your body is calculating and regulating that's going into your mouth. And the reality is fat loss is a pain in the ass because fat loss is extremely tedious. Regardless if you count every calorie in your mind, your body is still counting those calories. And so don't think you can just go into intuitive eating from the start. But again, I think the long-term goal should be to get to a place to where you can eat intuitively. A client's journey, when I'm working with somebody, the main goal when we begin is to just start tracking at right around a maintenance level of calories. Right? If somebody's got a goal of fat loss, I'm going to put them into a deficit at first. I want you to get you comfortable eating at roughly a, around a maintenance level of calories so that you're totally feeding yourself. We find your home base. We get you eating enough protein. We get you set up with a, the right structure in terms of meal frequency through the day, structuring your day correctly, finding the right meals that are going to help keep you full, um, and just get you comfortable with the system of actually tracking. And once you can get one, two, three weeks in of solid work here, and we've established your maintenance, we've established your habits, we've established your eating routines, we've got you eating enough protein, now we put you into a deficit. And we start to eat less calories, We're keeping, but we're keeping all the structure in place with a high protein intake, um, a good meal frequency to keep hunger levels under control, and we go out and create that result. And then from there, again, through this whole process, we're tracking, we're weighing our foods. Once you create that result and you get to where you want to be long term, okay, now we start the reverse diet. Now we start to increase calories to get you back up close to your maintenance level of calories because during that diet, hunger levels are going to increase, stress levels are going to increase, your metabolism may downregulate a little bit, um, and so we have to come out of that, right? We have to reverse calories back up to get you back up to wherever that new maintenance level for you is going to be at that new body weight that you're at. And from here, as we get you reversed, we get you back to your maintenance level, now we continue to track at this in, or at your maintenance level, continuing to weigh foods, continuing to um, put everything into the app, and we allow those hunger levels to get to a better place. We allow your stress to get much more managed, um, and we just get you very consistent and maintaining maintaining that result on relatively the same foods that you were eating while dieting, but now we're just eating a higher a higher amount, a higher portion size of all of those foods, right? This is really going to take care of those hunger levels. Put yourself in a good position. Once the hunger is completely gone, now we can start to transfer out maybe some of those lower volume or higher volume, lower calorie foods for um, more manageable foods that you enjoy to eat that um, aren't so focused on volume, but you're, you're got more flexibility. You're including some foods that you enjoy because hunger levels aren't as high. So um, you don't have to make sure that every single meal that you eat is going to have you absolutely stuffed in terms of fullness for um, satiety issues shoes or anything like that. And now we've got you back to eating more regularly, more normal foods, more flexibility in your diet. Your metabolism is in a strong place. Your hormones are in a strong place. And you've literally taken the last six to 12 months to track your food from a maintenance to a deficit through a reverse back to your maintenance, establishing your hormones, getting you in a really good place. Um, you've gone through this whole process and been tedious with tracking throughout it. Well, now you've built up this skill and been consistent for such a long period of time that you're probably in a very solid position to continue building on that foundation that you've created and start to look at taking things in more of an intuitive manner. And that doesn't mean that you just right from the start, just take away tracking altogether, any intuitive. What I do with clients is we go, okay, now we've gotten to this end result. We've gotten you to where we've, we want to get you body composition wise. Now let's start to transition in this into more of an intuitive way. 
And that doesn't mean, like I said, you don't just take away tracking altogether. So let's start by not tracking on Sundays and do this for a couple weeks and see if you can continue to maintain. Again, they, they don't track for a couple Sundays. Everything's still going really well. All right, let's stop tracking Friday through Sunday. Again, continuing to focus just on the same habits on those days where you're not tracking compared to the days that you are tracking. Similar food choices, but just being more intuitive with it. And as a few weeks go by, if you stay maintaining your weight and you're not tracking Friday through Sunday and you're just using the skills that you've developed, okay, let's take away Wednesday through Sunday. Now we're only tracking on Monday and Tuesday and now we're, we, um, we're not tracking Wednesday through Sunday and eating more intuitively. Do that for a few weeks if you continue to maintain. All right, let's take away tracking altogether and just focus on eating more in an intuitive manner, um, but just based on the skills that we learned from tracking so that we're just tracking more in our head to be uh, more intuitive and more flexible with it and see how that goes for a few weeks. Again, if you continue to maintain, boom. Now you're in a position to where you built that foundation to be able to intuitively eat with success. But again, as you start to intu eat intuitively, you still want to track your... Um, your body weight, in my opinion, just because that's going to help monitor if you're overeating or undereating. If you get to a point where you're tracking your body weight with daily weigh-in still and you're eating intuitively and you see your body weight slowly trending up a little bit, well, intuitively, you can just be more mindful with your nutrition and downregulate in terms of maybe some of the food choices that you're making um, and whatnot that's going to put you in a position to where you're going to be able to level that back out. And then with time, like maybe once a month, a couple times a month, just tracking a day randomly just to see where calories are roughly lying to make sure you're keeping those skills in place um, is a very good idea as well, just to keep that baseline and make sure that, that what you're eating compared to what you think you're eating is still correlating with one another. And if you're still maintaining, boom, you're in an awesome position and you can maintain that long term. And then if you ever get to a position to where you've got maybe more body fat that you want to lose or anything like that, then you can just pick up back the skill of tracking. Once again, go out and create that result in terms of tracking your intake, getting yourself into a deficit, and then going through that entire process again to get yourself back to being able to eat intuitively again. And that's how we keep our skills with nutrition top notch to always be in control of our body compositions. That's basically what I do at this point, is the majority of the time I'm eating intuitively, but when I get to a point to where I want to decrease body fat levels um, or go out and, and, and achieve a specific goal, I put tracking uh, my intake back into full-fledged and I get away from intuitive eating. And then when I just want to sustain that result longer term, I get back to a point to where I'm eating in more of an intuitive manner. So I'm still using tracking and utilizing it because when in a deficit, I always find that it's much more efficient to continue to track your, your food rather than try to be in a deficit intuitively. It generally doesn't work for the majority of people, especially myself, because I like food too much and I always give myself excuses. But that's how I would go about it. That's my opinion on intuitive eating. Intuitive eating is just the graduating stage of taking the time to track your intake for a six to 12 month period successfully after you've achieved the goal that you wanted to. So hopefully that helps. Again, I have a third question here, but I'm actually just going to roll it over into next week's q and I feel like I do that a lot lately to where I've got three questions, but I deep dive into one or two of the questions that puts us around that 30-minute marker, which is where I like to cut these episodes off. So I'm just going to save that question. We're just going to use those two for today's Q&A. Again, any of you that do have further questions, if you have anything from this episode that you would like me to elaborate on any further for your specific situation, there is always the link down below, lostandlifting.com backslash podcast. Submit your questions. Um, submit just any feedback that you have for me. Um, again, if you can always leave the podcast a rating and review on Apple, that just helps the podcast continue to grow. And I really appreciate that too. So thank you all for listening. 
Hopefully you have an amazing day and I'll talk with you soon.